Welcome to the Midweek Social on All Villa, No Filler. This week's guest is Dan Bardell. Dan Bardell is a podcaster and presenter. You may have seen him on Sky recently, uh, also with The Athletic. Um, He's probably best known to Aston Villa fans as host of The Villa View and also the 1874 podcast with Greg Evans. So Dan, welcome to the All Villa, No Filler podcast. Thanks for having me. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, um, well, uh, I'll ask you, you know, all about the new content that's coming up on the uh, Villa View channel uh, just a bit later in our our chat. But first... um, Let's chat about how things are at Aston Villa right now. You know, Unai Emery, he's the new manager. He's been in charge for four months. Um, what have you made of his time in charge so far? I think they're probably ahead of where I would have expected them to be when you think how bad they were under Steven Gerrard. I think he's rectified quite a lot of things in a short space of time. So I've done loads of podcasts this week already, you know, the away form. Mm-hmm. The Villa to be top of the away league table since he's come in joint with Arsenal. Villa were useless away from home until he came in. I don't think we won a game away from home until Unai Emery took charge. So to turn that round quite quickly is very, very impressive. I think away from home in particular, there's a a defined way of playing that seems to be quite resilient and it it seems to work. Home got off to a a brilliant start beating Manchester United. So he got another monkey off off Villa's back straight away because you're the same age as me and Villa have done nothing at home to Manchester United in yeah. my lifetime. So to, to to beat Manchester United in his first game straight away, he's done something that no other Villa manager since Brian Little has, has managed to do. So that's an achievement. I think maybe they've tried to be a little bit too expansive at home at times and uh, maybe aren't ready for it. But I understand mm. that he wants to like, create this connection with, with the fan base. He wants to entertain the fan base. And at times it, it's looked good and at other times it hasn't gone well. But, but I think all in all, even though this, it just seems like we're stuck in 11th, I think we are we are trending in the right direction and, and we're going really well under him. And whatever happens now, I think he needs two, three, four years because Villa aren't going to get a higher profile, better manager in than, than Unai Emery. For where they are, the club have done very well to, to get him in. I think the club's made a lot of mistakes over the last 18 months to two years. But to have pulled Unai Emery in, someone whose track record speaks for itself, I think that's very, very impressive. And he seems driven. He, it's the kind of club that he's... He's done well at before similar size clubs in in Spain, so I'm confident he'll he'll get us moving in the right direction. He, he already has, but as we always say, he needs a preseason. And I think once he gets a few of his his own players, and you'll see Villa really start to make strides next season. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. Um, you know, uh, we looked at Steven Gerrard a year ago. A lot of us were probably saying, "Well, let's give him the preseason and see where it goes." Whereas with it was every... more hope, wasn't it, than in expectation? I, I know I was feeling that. Well, I, I said it. I always think a manager should get should get preseason. If you ha- if you've come in midway through the season, it's very very yeah. difficult. And in Gerrard's defence, when he first came in, he he did identify a few things and he did change a few things, and there was an upturn in results that pulled Villa away from from uh, relegation danger. But then in 2022, mm. it was just a, just a disaster, wasn't it? Villa were poor at the back end of last season and they were awful at the start of this season. But under Unai Emery, I don't feel like it is hope. I think there's there's genuine reasons to be excited and to, and to think that this pre-season will be a good one. Yeah, exactly. Because he's got that proven track record as well, hasn't he? Kind of, as you mentioned, you have four Europa Leagues. It just feels like, you know... We've both been supporting Villa from pretty much an identical year in the early nineties, and you know there's been there have been some highs and there's been a lot of lows, um, lots of different managers. Um, do you think you know? I might be getting a bit ahead of myself here, and he's only been in charge for about four months. Do you, but do you think Emery might be potentially the best manager we've seen since we started supporting Villas in that nineties era? 
I would say until he's come in. I mean, Ron Atkinson was, was my first manager, so I was kind of at the tail end of him. They won a Coca-Cola Cup and then the season after he went. I think Brian Little and John Gregory were, were successful managers yeah. at, at that time. Football was very different. You know, they were they were right for Villa. They were good managers for Villa. And Brian Little, to be fair, his record was, was absolutely excellent. And John Gregory was unlucky not to do a little bit better as well. Mm. Then it's just been awful, except for except for Martin O'Neill, hasn't it? And then, and then Dean Smith's. But I think... In terms of actually bringing in an, an elite manager, I think you're right. I think, you know, Villa, Villa have done that with Unai Emery in our, in our lifetime. That's the, the biggest, highest profile manager that, that Villa have bought. And if, if you actually think about the managers through the years, Villa haven't offered Paul, often bought in a manager from abroad. Mm-hmm. It's very, very rare yeah. that they haven't. And usually when they have, it hasn't gone very well. But, you know, <laughs> on this occasion, they've pulled someone in who, who's won trophies. And there's no reason why if he gets if he gets time, he seems like he wants to be here for the long term. Everything he talks about is geared towards the long term. Mm-hmm. No disrespect to West Ham, but, you know, West Ham were very close to getting to a European final last season. They were down in the doldrums before David Moyes came in and, and he got them going over the last few seasons. I know they're not doing great now. But they've had two excellent seasons. There's absolutely no reason why Unai Emery couldn't push Villa towards finishing seventh, finishing eighth, maybe winning a, a League Cup or an FA Cup and then get Villa into Europe and have a good run because that's what he's good at. And I think Villa fans should be excited about that. But we know that the first thing you got to do, you got to get into Europe. So yeah. I think if Villa get there, they'll be in for an exciting ride. Yeah, completely. Um, he... he um... Because he, he kind of just has a bit of an awe about him, doesn't he? Considering you know what he has won before and the clubs he's managed at, and I think part of what I've wondered sometimes is why Villa aren't at kind of the level of a Liverpool and Man United, or you know, it's not to do with like the size of the city or the fan base or anything like that. But at some point in the last forty years, fifty years, Liverpool and United both got a manager with an aura, somebody who was able to lift them as a club kind of to a higher level, and I, I wonder if Villa. Maybe since Ron Saunders really have just haven't able to find that manager, and I'm, I'm not saying that Emery's going to be you know leading us to win the Premier League title uh, or you know next year. You never know, but um, you know it's like it, it it does feel like he has that aura, doesn't it? That I, that I think we've maybe just lacked for a very long time in a manager. Villa have had good managers and good teams, but mm. Villa have always been a nearly team. Yes, since yeah. since we've since we've followed him, that that's just, that's just the, the way it's been. I've interviewed John Gregory, and he completely agreed with that. He said exactly the same thing. It was always nearly like we we, we had that season where we would were, were top of the league for ages, and then we <laughs> fell away in the yeah. second half of the season. The next season, they get to an FA Cup final, don't turn up on the day. Martin O'Neill so close to getting top four and getting that dream of Champions League football didn't quite do it. Didn't quite win the win the League Cup under him as well. So Villa have just always been been a been a nearly team. So that hopefully they've got the manager now that can just take them to that next step. But it's been so long now since Villa were that top six team. It's it's, it's been over a decade. It's so hard to work your way back. And and the landscape's just so different in football now in, in, in terms of the Premier League. Now, football is, Gary Neville always says this, football's always cyclical. So he always said at some point Manchester United will come good again and they'll get they'll get back to the upper echelons of the Premier League. And it looks like now they've won a cup. They're doing well in the league. That's starting to happen again. At some point, Villa will push towards that top six again. But it's harder now. And if they do do it, they've just got to make that leap and make that next step. It, it's always that final hurdle that Villa seem to fall down on. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. Can we one day get over that hurdle? Even like cup finals, we've had this yeah. since two thousand. It's just lose the one nil, you know, to Chelsea in two thousand the FA Cup final. It's so many moments like that. But hopefully, we could finally be on the cusp of maybe overcoming that 
in the next couple of years. Um, but, you know, I mean, we'd look at kind of Emery's record. You know, the most recent game was Everton. Um, a really good 2-0 win. For some reason, we just seem to have a bit of a hoodoo over Everton. It's nice for us to have that over a different club it rather is. than somebody else to have that over us, which seems always to be the case. So um, what did you make of uh, the Everton win? It was a good, a good win. It was a solid away win, much like many of the away wins under Emery. I think mm. they've all followed a similar pattern, haven't they? Villa, Villa have kept a clean sheet and they've managed to stay out the game relatively comfortably, which is something that you've not associated Villa with o- over the years. And I think to turn that away record round, like I said at the start, is is very, very impressive. But they just seem to have a resilience away from home and a, a desire. They seem to get the bodies on the line and seem to be able to keep those clean sheets. And if you keep a clean sheet, at the moment, Villa have scored in every game under yeah. Unai Emery as well. So if you can keep a clean sheet at the moment, I mean, I'm absolutely jinxing us here, you're <laughs> going to win the game because we're scoring yeah. in in every game. We just haven't managed to get that same kind of balance right at home again, as I, as, as I said at the start. I don't think we've quite worked out what we want to be at home yet, or maybe mm-hmm. Unai Emery has worked out what he wants us to be, but we're not quite there yet. But we, are, we seem to be ready to do what he wants us to do away from home. And, yeah, because we've got such a good record over Everton, I'm fully expecting them to get relegated and we'll never never play them again. But <laughs> yeah. we picked up some great wins away from home. You know, yeah. Sean Dyche had won both home games until Villa came into town. Brighton were going very well when Villa went there and won. I think Spurs were probably on a bit of an iffy track. Southampton had just won a couple of games. We, yeah. we went there and won 1-0. So Villa away from home. The Man City game was a, was a one-off. But to be honest, I didn't like the way we lost, but I didn't really expect anything in that game anyway. Barely anyone goes there and gets anything, so I kind of write that off. But, you know, to have won every single other away game, that I think that's incredible at this stage. It is absolutely it is brilliant. You know, this early on in, in Emery's start as well, to have that many away wins that early on, it's just, it's very impressive. Um, and as you say, the home form, it feels like at the moment, we we tend to be like one half good, one half bad at home. So like we t- we've started a few first halves against like Wolves, Leeds, um, Liverpool as well. In all those games, it felt like, we could have conceded two or three. Uh, mm. And then Leicester, you know, he made mistakes. And a lot of those mistakes, I think, have been from playing out from the back. But I'm very happy that we're playing out from the back. And it, I think I think those mistakes are probably... Do you think they're reflective of a team that's in transition, just getting used to a new style of play? I think it's just a concentration issue. And again, Villa have had these problems over the last few years. They're not just going to gonna be ironed out overnight. Villa have conceded goals from bad mistakes in, in numerous games over the last few years. So I, I don't think it's a it's a new thing. It's just decision-making. And sometimes that's what separates the the really good teams from the average teams. They're, they're all good footballers. It's just decision-making. And Villa's decision-making at times ha- hasn't been good. But I think they're getting there. I think they've scored a couple of goals from, from playing out from, from the back now. And, you know, Arsenal, they were quite erratic in possession towards the end of the game, Villa, and they weren't playing out from the back and they were hoofing the ball clear. And just kept coming back, and they conceded. Mm. So I'm I'm happy that they're trying something. They they're getting more comfortable with it as well. I think I think sometimes the crowd anxiety sometimes comes onto the, the pitch as well. I think Villa players are sometimes playing a little bit with the shackles on at home because they're scared of making a mistake. Because the, the whole end where I sit is very very vocal about the, the playing out from from the back. But I think we've just got to grin and bear it and go with it because I think we've already seen that when it works. It works very well and they will get better at it and there'll be these teething problems. Villa were never going to be able to just completely change his way of playing and do it without making mistakes. So that, so they've come, but I, I don't think they're too far away at home. You know, there's there's a couple of things that have happened. A lot of games, I, I agree with you, there's been a few where Villa have, like they might concede a few goals early on. Villa are scoring early goals yeah, as well. You think of um, some of the games that they've had. Leicester, they scored early. Arsenal, they scored early. Manchester United at home. 
they they scored early. I think Leeds they scored early as well. Yeah, so you know, Villa are, they're starting to get a few things right mm. at home. I, ju- I just think they're not quite there yet, and they've not quite got it defined what they want to be at home. And maybe has to go back a, a little bit and maybe introduce some of the things that Villa do away from home into the way Villa play at Villa Park because that's the thing with Emery. He's got all, he's, he's he has a defined way of playing. He's got he's got all these subtle things that he does during games. He manages games. He changes things within the game. So maybe it's just a case of. There's a few teething problems at the moment. Maybe we just introduce a couple of things that we're doing away from home. Because I didn't think we looked uncomfortable against Everton, even when the game was nil-nil, mm. 60 minutes, and I didn't think we were playing well. We still didn't look really uncomfortable. Mings had one off the line, but Everton didn't, didn't create too much. I know they're not yeah. a creative team anyway, but I just don't think there's too much wrong at the moment. Villa have just had an absolutely atrocious start to the season, which is absolutely nothing to do with Emery. If Emery yeah. had been in from the start, you know, there's no reason why we wouldn't be where Brentford and where and where Fulham are. When 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 you look at what the results have been since Emery's come in, mm. probably we would be around there. We're just in recovery from what was an awful start to the season. Yeah, and I think what I liked as well was you know against Arsenal, we as you mentioned, you know we were sort of lumping the ball away towards the end of the game, and Emery even mentioned after the match that how frustrated he was by that. We sort of didn't stick to the game plan. Whereas against Everton in that first half when they were putting us under more pressure. Um, than they did at the start of the first half. It, it kind of felt like Villa was sticking to that, passing it around, even when they were, you know, boxing scene, we were trying to play it out. So it just feels like the players have bought in essentially to what Emery's ideas are. Um, whether the, some of them are well suited to it is another matter. But, you know, some of the players have improved quite a lot, I think. And um, to me, two of those are Ollie Watkins and John McGinn. Um, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on um, those two players at the moment? I think with Watkins, I think the goals weren't there at the start of the season, but I actually think his all-round performances, there's not been a lot wrong with it the, the entirety of the season. If you think back to the one of the rare good results we had under Steven Gerrard, Manchester City at home, Ollie Watkins was really good with, with yeah. scraps that day, held the ball up, he got Villa out of trouble a few times, relieved the pressure. Sometimes in and around the penalty box when you're trying to be intricate, his touch will let him down or he'll make a bad pass. That's been happening, but generally I think he... To me, it looks like he's worked on his hold-up play a lot, and I think his hold-up play has been a lot better this season. And for where Villa are, I just I'm not sure what people expect. Ollie Watkins, if he plays every week, will score somewhere between ten and fifteen goals a season. I would yeah. say the twenty goal a season striker is a rarity at the level Villa are at. They, they, they don't exist. Players that get twenty goals a season play for the top six. You think of you think of Newcastle at the moment; they're going very well, aren't they? I know they've had a bit of a blip recently, but, you know, they've been in the top four virtually all season. They haven't got anyone there that's going to score 20 goals. That that that, that player isn't isn't there. Callum Wilson, like Watkins would probably get, if he stayed fit, somewhere between 10, 10 and 15. So I think people are maybe may guilty sometimes of, you think you've got to have a striker that scores 20 goals. The, the modern day game's not like that when Villa had a had a Dwight York. And, you know, I think Christian Benteco was probably a bit a bit of an anomaly at the, at the time that Villa picked him up and got, got, got lucky, really, didn't they? Because they couldn't yeah. have foreseen how good he was going to be for the football club. I think he pretty much had, had a one-in-two record. So I think Watkins was getting unfair criticism at, at the start of the season. It's great to see him in the last five, in the last five games. You know, his finishing's been excellent. His finish against Arsenal was a really good finish. Man City was a smart finish. You know, he's adding different types of goals to his game as well, the header against Southampton. And it was nice for him to, to score that penalty at the weekend and for it to mean something, for it to be the winner in the game because he's he's been hitting the back of the net, but we've been shipping goals left, right and centre and his goals haven't counted for anything. So yeah. for him to, to break that record and be the first player since 1985, I think it is, to score five in a row for Villa, the first player in Premier League history for Villa, 
it was yeah. nice that the goal meant something for him. And I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Watkins. When, when Ings left, I was defending him left, right and centre because I think he's better suited for what Emery wants. And I think all-round game, I think he offers a team like Villa a lot, lot more with the way he stretches defences. I think that brings players into the game better than than Danny Ings did. There's nothing wrong with Danny Ings. He's a, he's a, he's a good footballer, but yeah. my preference of the two, because it didn't seem like they were ever going to play together, was Watkins, and it's nice that for once to have been proved right with something, and he's 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 on a good run at the moment. And McGinn, I think he just suits Emery. Yeah, I think tactically McGinn's been really good under Emery. I think he's fitted into what what Emery wants from that wide midfield slash central midfield role better than anyone else in the yeah. in the in the squad has. You know, Ramsey scored in the first game, but I think McGinn's handled that transition a little bit better than anyone else who's played there so far this season. It's just nice to see him influencing the game from higher up in the pitch because the guy was visibly hamstrung under, under yeah. Steven Gerrard. Look, he said himself he wasn't playing well, and I'm not here trying to dress up and say John McGinn was playing well under Steven Gerrard because he wasn't. But I do think part of that was to do with the way he was being asked to play. He wasn't allowed to do the things that he's good at. And we're yeah. starting to see now the things that John McGinn's good at. And to see him involved in both goals against Everton in terms of an assist and, and winning the penalty... He won a penalty against Brighton in, in an away game as well, driving into the box. That's what you want to see from John McGinn, and that's what we're starting to see now. And it, it would be good. I think the fans are starting to come back round to him again now, yeah. which is good because the fans make, make a huge difference to the players. I, I was at an event at Villa Park just before Christmas. Or before this, I think, don't think Emery was in yet. I think we were just about to play Nottingham Forest, and McGinn was at the event. And you could see he had the, he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. He, right. He was trying to be jovial and laugh and laugh with the fans because that's what John McGinn is. That's what John McGinn does. But you could just see he wasn't quite himself. So I think now he'll be starting to get back to his, to, to his normal self. He, he's starting to put in the performances again. He's starting to hear his name sung yeah. in the away end, in the home ends again. So I'm, I'm really pleased for him. I'm really pleased he's, he's backing and doing well because I think he suits what Emery wants. Yes, completely. I, I mean... Um... You know, with McGinn, it's almost like since uh, maybe even since the World Cup break, he looks almost a bit leaner and fitter, mm. I think. Um, and as you say, it kind of looks like he's been liberated by, you know, I went to Crystal Palace away this season where we lost 3-1 and he Douglas Ruiz started on the bench and McGinn started the game. And I just remember like the fans cheering when McGinn got taken off for Louise. But the problem was like McGinn was being asked to play and almost like a ball playing deep line player. Yeah, made no sense. Just not that's just not his strength, is it? It's that kind of it's almost been maybe a second striker almost playing off of Watkins or like a wider midfielder where he can do a bit more of the, the grunt work, but also get in positions closer to the area. And you know, I'm, I'm hoping that now he is getting near the area and getting assist that a goal will come for him quite soon. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, he, he's got the shackles off, and then Ollie Watkins as well. As and I saw you mention this the other day actually about his hold at play, and it's really noticeably improved. and Again, I don't know whether it's Unai Emery's in his ear and coaching him or whether um, he's just gained confidence because Danny Ings has gone and he doesn't really have that that sort of co- maybe a bit of a competition going on. But um, he's got the goals coming in now. And then like you look at the uh, Buendia goal the other day against Everton and it actually started from a long ball forward to Watkins and a layoff to, you know, I think it was McGinn and then took it forward and play, played it off to uh, Buendia. So... Just those, just a couple of elements of those players have really like. I don't know. It's very encouraging to see, but you know, you, you look at the squad and you think, you know, this summer Christian Perzo himself said that Villa is going to be very busy this summer. Where do you think in the squad that like Villa or or, or rather maybe Unai Emery would um, like to improve and get a few more players in? I think you'll see Gwen Dursey come in. I'd be very surprised if he didn't come in in the summer. I know that the Villa were interested in him. 
in, in the summer when I was working at Sky, that was that was one that was coming that was coming up every day and speaking to French journalists and stuff who were close to Marseille. They were saying there's definitely interest from Villa. I think the fee was perhaps a bit inflated mm. in January. So I think Villa will be back back in for him. And again, a bit like McGinn. I think he suits that hybrid wide midfielder role, but also if if uh, Louise or Kamara's out, he can easily play there. He's played with Kamara at Marseille as well. He's worked with the manager before, so I think he makes an awful lot of sense. And I think he'll be he'll be someone that comes in. Greg is telling me that Villa will 100% go big on a on a striker in 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 the summer, but you know it's so hard to, to buy a striker. But I think this time. I think almost with Watkins, he felt like his nose was put out of joint a little bit with, with Danny Ings. You, you could see that they yeah. both wanted to make it work, but it never never quite did. And Watkins had had a really good season that first season. Then Villa just bought a, a new number nine. And I'm not sure Watkins liked that. I, I think he thrives off being the main man. But with the way that Emery sets up, the fact that we do 100% always play with two players playing as strikers near enough, hmm. that new striker coming in doesn't mean Ollie Watkins comes out of the team. Yeah. So Villa will, in the dream world, I think maybe someone like Tammy Abraham, if we if we could get someone like, like him, that, that level of striker back, that would be a nice combination. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I think a lot depends on Carlos. I mean, if Carlos comes back and can hit the ground running and hasn't lost a yard, he's still the same player. Not convinced that we'll sign a, an Emery centre-back because I think Carlos could be the Emery centre-back again because right. they've played before. And I know that Emery was a massive driver in Tyro Mings's new contract. So you kind of think those two will be the number one pair. And then you've still got Conser. I'd expect Chambers to go. And then maybe they'd sign a younger up-and-coming centre-half to, to add competition. Mm. Other than that, I don't think you'll see too much. Amy Martinez, obviously, look, if he goes, they'd have to sign a goalkeeper desperately. Yeah. But again, I was pretty convinced that he might go, but Greg's telling me he doesn't doesn't think he will. So We'll see what right. see what happens in the, in the summer. I'm doing something with Neil Cutler tonight, so I'm going to be interested to to ask him what what, what he thinks, whether he thinks Emmy will, will be there next season or not, because they're very very close still. So yeah. I've like get a bit of a scoop <laughs> on, on the Villa view tonight. I don't think you'll see six, seven, eight players come in. Yeah. You'll see three or four players of substance, high level players come in, and then I don't think we're too far away. Yeah. At the moment, there's some good players at Villa. I think they, they're just maybe lacking in a couple of areas and they're lacking a bit of depth. But by getting in that those extra pieces of quality, you'll see an improvement and you'll see an improvement in consistency as well. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. I agree with that. I think it'll be a f- just just a few, but maybe we might reach a kind of financial level of spending that we haven't actually done before. I think our most expensive sign is Buendia at 38 million. Mm. And so um, I thought I'm with you. Granduzzi from Marseille, I think, is just a link that just won't go away, is it? So, and I'd, I'd, to be honest, I'd kind of love it if he did turn up. But, um, you know, uh, our next few fixtures, uh, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Bournemouth and Chelsea. Um, you know, what do you make of those fixtures? And also, you know, realistically, where would you like to see Villa finish this season? I'd be happy with 10th. Look, if we can finish in the in the top 10, I do think there's, I don't think we're going to Europe, but I think there's an, an opportunity there if we can get a bit more consistency in our game of pushing for eighth, maybe, maybe ninth. Yeah. You know, that would be a very good season for Villa, especially when you take into account the, the start that they had. It's been a bit of a funny Premier League season this season because Liverpool have struggled and Chelsea have struggled. 
so they're they're kind of floating around where we are, which you know you you wouldn't really normally expect to see. So I do think there's an opportunity for top ten, and Villa haven't finished in the top ten since 2011. Yeah, now under under Gerard Hulier, when they somehow managed to finish ninth after a bit <laughs> of a, they finished ninth on 42 <laughs> points or something ridiculous. Yeah. In, in that season, you know, that 42 points would never have got United in, in previous seasons or probably seasons gone by, but it got Villa ninth that mm. season. Just been nowhere near that. I think the season, the lockdown season, they should have finished top half. I think if Grealish had stayed fit, I think Villa would have done what West Ham had done and perhaps finished sixth, seventh and and got into Europe. But Grealish missed too long and Villa couldn't function without him because everything was built so heavily around him. So I think just trying to get a bit of consistency, trying to get more to grips with what Emery wants. If they can finish top 10, I think that's a good season. And then there's reasons to be positive going into next season. They've got to sort the home form out there. It's difficult, yeah. isn't it? Because the away form's so good. They've got to do something at home. But then if suddenly they keep the away form and sort the home form, yeah. they'll be winning every week, which is not feasible, <laughs> is it? It's just not feasible. That. <laughs> well, you never know. Before the end of the season, I'm sure, uh, you know, are sort of top of looking, looking over their shoulders at Villa panting down, chasing them down. But, uh, you know, like, um, basically, you know, the Villa View, it's been a a big part of influencing our podcast and lots of other Aston Villa podcasts, I'm sure. You know, you've been a big leader in that. And thanks for doing that, basically, and providing all that content because it's entertained us all over the all over the years. Um, but, you know, you, you've, you've got some new um, uh, services coming out on there. So do you want to tell us about what we can all kind of like look forward to on the Villa View coming soon? Yeah, I think uh, that had to be some form of change. So obviously years and years ago, I was living in London. Tom Julian was living in London. So every week, once a week, we had access to podcast facility basically for free. Mm. As you all know, fan channels don't make make any money or, or, or much money at all. So, you know, yeah. you're doing it because you enjoy doing it. But we had a good rhythm with that. We, we had that podcast and I, I think that was probably... I think obviously my old man said is always in a podcast, but that was the first video podcast where you could see two Villa fans sat in a row and they'd be having ha- having a chat. And I think people enjoyed that. It was an hour every week. We had like a, it was more like it was scheduled. You knew that was going to come out once a week. And I think me and Tom had a good balance. And I think I think people people enjoyed that. And it was sad when it when it had to stop. Although at the time I think it felt like it had come to its its natural conclusion because I just started at the Athletic doing doing Villa stuff, and Tom was obviously moving to Germany and he's, he's gone off to Germany and still don't know how he got that job, but he's absolutely thriving there and and doing really well as the the head of uh, head of comms at the, at the Bundesliga. So how he got that job, I still don't know, <laughs> but you know, he's, he's doing well. I still speak to Tom probably most days. Right. We had, a, we had a little break and then obviously COVID hit and a guy called Adam Bates who'd watched the channel asked if we'd consider bringing it back over COVID, he said he had this software or he had this way of doing things where it didn't matter that Tom was in Germany. We could come on because this this kind of podcast that we're doing now on Zoom that wasn't really a thing. Yeah, back then yeah. people podcasts were done next next to each other. The really people hadn't really delved into Zoom too much. Mm. So then lockdown kind of gave an opportunity, probably for loads of Villa podcasts to start. It gave me and Tom a chance to start doing it again. And we weren't doing anything else with our lives because we were all just sat at home. So when the football came back, you could literally watch the game and then we'd jump straight on our laptops and we'd do a podcast. Villa fans would probably finish watching the game and they'd they'd watch the they'd watch the show straight after, straight after the game. So yeah. it came back and then Tom discovered that he wasn't really allowed to be doing podcasts anymore. So then Villa Views just kind of fell into this online way of way of doing things over the over the last few years. But 
we had the two the two shows, so the post match point with with purity, and then we'd always try and do some midweek shows as as well. But because I was so busy with like with normal media work, I started to struggle to find time to to do the Villa View and put as much into it as I wanted. I was having stuff going on in my in my own private life as well in my life that that was causing a lot of upheaval, and I and I wasn't wasn't able to put in the the time that I wanted to to the Villa View, so. Everything settled down a bit for, for me now. I've got my set schedule of what I do in, in in the media, so it's easier to sort out. There's a good group of us now, rather than relying on just two people to do things. Like when it was just me and Tom, and then Dolan would come in yeah. when, when when Tom wasn't around or or I wasn't around. You know, I've now got all these people who've become really good friends. We speak every day, so it's just I feel more settled now, and it's just been an opportunity to to, to bring it back and put more stuff in. So over the last maybe a month or so I've moved I've moved now I'm back in back in the Midlands which I haven't been for, for a long time so just feel a bit more settled now and able to to, to put the, the time into it because I do it as a hobby really I don't I don't I, the Villa View for me I, I started it because I wanted to get into into the media and for me it's, it's ended up doing that for me so I was really pleased with that but I do the Villa View because I like talking to my friends yeah. about Villa basically and I still enjoy doing it and I've got the time to do it so as long as I enjoy doing it I'll, I'll keep doing it. So, saw Stato stuff, AVFC Stato on Twitter. I think his stats are really good, like the time he puts into it, the stuff he comes up with. And I just thought there was an opportunity there for there to yeah. be a show de- dedicated around that. And thankfully, he, he said yes and he wanted to do it. He was a bit reluctant at first. He was a, li- a little bit shy, but he's he's starting to come out of his, his shell a, li- a little bit now and he, he's keen. And I think I think he's enjoying it. And I think it was something he, he wanted to do. So, I, I'm not taking the credit for it at all, but you know, I think it gave him some some confidence to, to come and do it. I'm glad I'm glad yeah. he's doing it and he, he seems to enjoy it and his stuff's so good that he deserves more than just being being tweets and we can put some colour behind it now and and have a chat. And like I say, he's coming out of his shell and it's great to see. And then just 1874, unfortunately, the athletic got taken over and, and decided to go in a different direction with things. And 1874 was something that that fell by the wayside along with the with a few other club pods, but Again, me and Greg have still been speaking since and always kind of wanted to do it and missed speaking to each other and doing the podcast. So, again, time being a factor, there was just a chance to get it back on the Villa View and, and see where it, where it takes us. And it, it's got off to a good start, actually, because it's getting over 10,000 views, listens across everything in, the, in wow. the first two or three episodes. So people are obviously keen for it to, to come back. I'd get tweets about it. I think in Greg's articles, people were commenting, saying that they they missed it and they wanted it back. I just think it's a nice supplement to to what Greg does. You Again, you can put a bit of colour behind what, what Greg's doing, what, what he's been writing about. It's, it's different, isn't it, because of the way he takes in games and he's at the press conferences, he's in the tunnel after the games. He's, he's offering something that's a little bit unique. So yeah, I think it was just yeah. a case. I'm not doing stuff for the sake of it. But trying to get a bit more of a rhythm going with the Villa View and getting two shows in that probably offer something a little bit different to to what else is is out there because there there is just so many podcasts now and yeah. everyone will have yeah. will have their favourite one that they listen to or there'll be some people that listen to every single podcast that that there is but I think though with those two shows it's something that's that, that's a little bit different to, to add to the stuff that, that we're already doing so hopefully people are enjoying it and yeah hopefully it can continue. Yeah, I was very glad to see the 874 come back because uh, yeah, it got me through the pandemic. Um, I basically every because when Villa were playing, it was all it was during that spell, wasn't it, where we were fighting to stay up, and every week Villa would like just about 
lose or draw in some yeah. way. And every week, I just remember listening to you both talking, listening to you particularly, obviously, as the Villa fan on the podcast, and been just like, oh my god, how can it? How can we not just get that winner? And then when we eventually stayed up, it was absolutely just oh. Amazing, amazing. I, right, I credit so. Greg because he still had belief that Villa would stay up all the way, all the way through that. And I was thinking, what is this guy on? Yeah, <laughs> honestly, how can yeah. he? How can he? How can he think that there's absolutely no chance Villa are going to start going to stay up? A bit like when people used to send in <sighs> when we we're in the Championship. If we could just win ten games in a row, then we'll go up. And I was thinking, there's absolutely no chance that's going to happen. And then Villa <laughs> yeah. go and win ten, 10 games in a row and get promoted via, via the playoffs. So yeah, football's a, a funny game. Like if you go back and listen to some of the things you say. Oh. On podcasts, oh, God, and then yeah. and then ha- how that's aged like weeks, <laughs> months, years later. God, yeah. like, I've said some terrible stuff over the years, but that's what being a being a football fan is. That's what being yeah. a Villa fan is. We've all got our opinions. You can say something, you know, with your chest at the at one time, and you think that that's correct. What I'm saying, I remember yeah. when I used to lay into Douglas Louise quite a lot, and now he's one of my favourite players. Like mm. things just complete can change, can't they? But that's what happens when you when you're doing a podcast about the team you support. You can. You can look an idiot sometimes. Yeah, the amount of times I look back on some of the football opinions I have on Twitter and from years ago, I think, right, where's the buttons one follow myself? Oh, yeah. that, you, know, you won't but... have said as much rubbish as me. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Um, you know, like obviously you you're also doing stuff now on uh, Sky as well. I've seen you on there and you're doing you're doing quite a bit of stuff now, I guess. So you've how, how's that experience? Like you enjoying it? Yeah, good, because it's it's ultimately that was what what I wanted to get to and what what I wanted to do, I think. Having the chat, first of all, you've got to be given the chance by someone. And I was very lucky at the Athletic that they gave me a chance to move away, from, not move away from Villa, but to supplement my Villa stuff. And they gave me some England stuff. And in fact, they gave me quite a lot of England stuff in yeah. the, during, during the Euro. So I was doing a show every day for them, which still it blow, still blows my mind that the two hosts of that were me and Mark Chapman, because <laughs> I, at that point particularly, I had absolutely no right to be sharing hosting duties with Mark Chapman. Absolutely none at all. I'm still having now, in, 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 in fairness. So that kind of gave me lift off a little bit. And the fact England got all the way to the final, you know, as well, if England had dropped out of the group stage, that, that would have done nothing for me. But because England did well mm. as well, and the whole country was interested in what, what England were doing, that was that was very good for me. And because I, I, they thought I'd done well, they gave me Premier League stuff, since so I, I was fortunate really to to get the opportunity because there's, there's Villa which will always be my bread and butter and Villa is always my main passion mm. but to progress you need you need more than that you need to be able to talk about more than that and and because I watch so much football and have an interest in football so much anyway I always wanted to do other stuff so I've just been been lucky really that the Athletic gave me a chance who scored is. You know, it was a it was a Villa fan running running their podcast, Martin Lawrence. So I got right. pulled in to do to do their podcast as well, which is a Premier League preview show. So I so I host that, and then after the Euros, again lucky, and I I got an agent, which is you know a massive thing in in the industry, and that's what's got me into Sky. Yeah, really, the fact the fact that I've got an agent and they've got those relationships and that they pulled me in, and you know to be sat around that desk in Sky Sports News doing doing live shows that is. To me, that's, you know, if I die tomorrow, I'm happy that I've ticked off a goal that I would have always wanted wanted to do. You know, I'm not, I'm so, still nowhere near where I want to be, but yeah. I've sat around that desk at Sky Sports News and, and and spoke about football and that when I started doing the Villa View seven years ago or whatever it was, if you'd have told me then that I'm going to go on and do that, I'd, I'd have been absolutely delighted. So it, 
it's a hard industry. It can be up and down. Like some months I'm really busy. Some months it feels quiet and you worry and you think, God, what's, what's next? But I feel like I've, I've broken in and, and I mean, it's just about trying to like, be like Villa, just trying to get some consistency now and <laughs> try, and, try and keep myself there and try and pick up new stuff, try and build on the stuff that I've been doing. And we'll see what happens because I've got hopefully things, things that will happen that are, that are in the pipeline, but there's a lot, there's a lot of waiting in, in, in the media game, but it, oh God, it's yeah. nice. And, you know, I owe the Villa fans tons because without people ever being bothered about what I was saying, tuning in and watching the podcast and watching the Villa view, I, I'd be nowhere. I, I owe loads of people. I owe Greg because he was the one that got me into the athletic in the first place to do the Villa podcast. So you, you have to be lucky along the way. You know, I've had my fair share of misfortune. I've been unlucky. I've come close to things a few times and been the second choice and not quite got there and things like that. But, mm. you know, you, you need help. You'll never get there on, on, on your own. And I've, I've, I've been really, really lucky with the support I've had. And the main one ha- has been the Villa fans because whenever they see me on Sky, that the nice messages and the nice tweets that I get, it's because they feel like they've been on this kind of journey with me. Mm. It's really, really nice. And, you know, you, you get the odd person on Twitter giving you, giving you stick and stuff, but in person <laughs> at Villa Park, when, when I'm at Villa Park, people are so, so nice to me, so, so lovely to me. And it's, you know, I, I love it because ultimately I'm, I'm just, I'm just a Villa fan at the game, aren't I? That, yeah. that, that's what I'm doing. I've had my season ticket since I was seven. I'm there the same as everyone else. So it's nice that people want to speak to me and, you know, are, are proud of me because without them, I'd be absolutely nothing. Yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's inspiring stuff to hear and to, to see, you know, it's always just good to see a Villa fan, you know, Living out the dream, essentially. It's just, yeah. I don't know, to, to have seen it sort of go I think on. Brummy really. as well. There's not many yeah. Brum, Brummies out there doing stuff. It doesn't fail. Obviously, there's Gabba yeah. on, on, on exactly. TalkSport. But other than that, I can't really really think of anyone that, that's in and, in and around football, you know, talk, yeah. talking about it. So it's nice to feel that, like, when, you know, when Villa, something's happened with Villa, for example, you know, Sky want to get me on TalkSport, want to speak to me, these companies, BBC. Yeah. They 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 want to talk to you. And again, when I started, I wanted to kind of be the go-to person for for talking about Villa. And I think I can probably say that, that, that I've ticked that off. So I've I've achieved a lot of what I wanted to achieve. But it's the same with everything. Once you once you you always want more. There's always more you you can do, and you you want to do better. And I I think I've still got a long way to go, to be honest. Well, that's well, that's exciting to hear. And you know, also uh, you know, just before before we wrap it up, um, I'll just ask you a couple of questions because we're both. You know, uh, as I said earlier, we both started Sporting Villa at the exact same time, pretty much, I think, 92. Um, yeah. So I, just kind of like, you know, look back on it all. Um, it's been a slog for a long time, Sporting Villa. It's always been the easiest club to support. Um, but for you, who was your favourite player growing up and what was your best memory of supporting Aston Villa? Everyone knows the answer that I'm going yeah. to give to the favourite players, Tails. Just absolutely loved the guy. Just loved yeah. him as a footballer. Loved that he was a Villa fan. Loved the way he pl- played the game. Like he'll sit there and say he wasn't the most talented player in in, in the world, you know. But he he just did his job. He knew what he was good at, and he and he did his job every week. And he played with passion. And he he played for Villa. He, he loved the badge, and he, and he and he loved the club. So just the way he played the game, and the way he was for Villa, he was just always my hero. And again. When I was a kid, if you'd have said to me that you'd go on and be friends with Ian Tyler, I'd have been absolutely buzzing. That's probably, how, if I take everything else away, the fact that that's probably happened is probably one of the biggest things that, that's happened to me as a Villa fan because awesome. I cannot tell you how much I loved that guy. Yeah, And I, and I still love him now. And he, and he, and he knows I do. 
as well, and he, he plays on it a, a little bit at times as well. But he's a, a he's a lovely person. Like when you're around him, you can't you just laugh. You spend that spend the whole time smiling and laughing. He's such such a fun person to be around, and he's exactly as you'd imagine he would be as well. I think that's probably one of the other things from doing all this stuff is that people always say, "Don't meet your heroes." Right. I can't think of many people that that I've met. I've met so many players who I loved watching as as, as a kid. They've all been lovely. So, yeah. you know, I think it's a special it's a special thing having your favourite footballers and and meeting them because when you were a kid you would have absolutely dreamed about stuff like that. So Tails was was always my absolute hero. Whenever anyone used to ask me who my favourite footballer was in the world, it was always Ian Taylor. So, right. I, like I, I loved other footballers. I was a massive fan of of loads of footballers both in the Premier League and abroad. Thierry Henry, Burkamp, for example, I absolutely loved those two. Teddy Sheringham was someone that was always my favourite. But I'd always say Ian Taylor, my favourite right. footballer, because he lived our dream, didn't he? He did, yeah. he did what we want. And I, I've gone so much on about him, I can't remember what the second part of the question was. <laughs> uh, and um, also your best memory, I guess, for it, of supporting Villa. What's been like your favourite moment or, uh, yeah? Really don't know, you know? Yeah. I've... I like to think I like to think it still hasn't happened. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was so I was so young when Villa won those two Coca Cola Cups. I don't really remember them, right. and you take it for granted because you just think that's going to be every few years. And Villa were in Europe all the time, so again, you just you know I was so lucky that my dad didn't used to care that I had school the next day, so he'd take me to all the mid- the midweek games. It wouldn't be a problem. I'd never miss them, so I was at those. Remember that UEFA Cup run in ninety seven, ninety eight? I was there for every single one of those games yeah, right, at, right. At, at Villa Park, and they were all, they were all great. That was the, so that, that the nineties were were a good time when yeah, Brian Lynn right. and John Gregory were in charge. They were they were they were good times. They were probably my favourite times as as a Villa fan. But uh, the play- playoffs it was was good. But again, like because I just never expected Villa to ever be in the championship. Yeah, yeah. And it felt like a real slog trying to get out of there. I don't think I enjoyed it. I think it was more like thank God for that. Yeah, and yeah. Thank God we're yeah. back in the Premier League. Hopefully we can <laughs> we can stay there now. So. I don't think I've got. I don't think I've got a, a favorite. I've had loads of like mini periods where I've really mm. enjoy, really enjoyed things. Like there was there was a been a period recently where I was getting to know a few players and stuff, and enjoyed that period because I I knew I knew the people that were playing. But I like to think it hasn't happened, and that yeah. one day the people of our generation and the you know if we think we've got it bad, there's people beneath us. Who, oh. who are younger than us who just have known literally nothing. You think of Max Stokes at Villa on tour. Yeah. He's traveled the country watching absolute rubbish generally. <laughs> yeah, he's, never, yeah. he's never seen Villa be Villa be good. Yeah. But, so there's 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 us who feel hard done by, but then there's <laughs> going to be generations underneath us that are that are even worse. So I like to think for all of us, yeah. that best time is 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 still to come because we're still relatively young. As much as 40s coming around quicker than I would like it to. <laughs> We're still, I'd just like to see Villa win something with with my dad yeah. one more time because, as I say, it hasn't happened since 1996, and he's he's not getting any younger. You know, we still I still go to Villa Park with him every every Saturday. Just love what I just want want to see Villa win one more one more thing with, with my dad. That that's what I'd like to say. So I hope that the the best things yet to come. 
Yeah, that's uh, hopefully under Professor Unai, as I call him. That could be. Gotta be. To if it's not happening under him, it's never happening. <laughs> it ain't, is it? Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I, I, we started sporting Villa in 92, 93 season when Villa came second in the Premier League. So it was the one year ever I could have been accused of being a glory supporter. Uh, so uh, it hasn't quite been that way since. But Even uh, then, it was nearly. Yeah, ne- nearly won the league. <laughs> exactly. Like, just blew it in the sort of last five or six games of the season and losing to teams like Oldham Athletic, I remember. Like, oh my, oh my God. But, uh, but yeah, but Dan, honestly, it's been absolutely brilliant to chat to you and to meet you. Thanks First time we, we've met. And, um, you know, uh, the vast majority of people watching this will obviously most likely be following you already on Twitter and that. But for anyone who isn't, uh, where can we find you and your content online? Uh, I've got to try and remember the Villa Views Twitter at her. I think so. Obviously, I've got my own where I tweet, tweet about Villa quite a lot. It's quite easy to remember. It's just just at Dan Bardell, and then I think it's at the Villa View underscore because someone had already took the, the Villa Views. So that just tells you both. That just tells you when 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 the videos are coming out. So yeah, the Villa View on YouTube is where you'll mainly see me talking talking about Villa or hear me t- talking about Villa. But man, I've been, enjoyed coming. I could literally just talk to people about Villa all day. And some days that is some days that is what I literally do. Yeah, all day talk about Villa and, and talk about football. But no, thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks for having me on. It's nice to to talk about things sometimes and and, and realize you know I don't talk about the stuff I've done. I'm, I'm not very good at, at like um, looking back and thinking, oh, that was a that was a big milestone. That was something you did that you'd always want to. So in doing this podcast today, I've uh, I've managed managed to do that. So, so thanks to you. No worries. Great to have you on. That was the Midweek Social on All Villa, No Filler with our guest this week, Dan Bardell.